Hello, and welcome to The Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. This week, we're coming at you with a special interview episode with Rachel Lippincott, co-author of Five Feet Apart, She Gets the Girl, and the author of the up- upcoming novel, Pride and Prejudice and Pittsburgh, which is available now. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on. <laughs> All right. Well, we came up with like a list of questions um, that we just kind of wanted to ask you about, like a bunch of different things. So we're just going to dive right in. I'm so ready. Let's do this. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so YYA, what draws you to this genre? Why is it special to you? Like what got you started, you know, writing YA books? Totally. That's a really good question. I mean, I think what's so special about this genre is that there's this real accessibility about it. I remember when I wrote Five Feet Apart, <laughs> there were people that were coming up to me that were like in their 60s and were like, I really gained so much from reading this book. And you know, then there's also middle schoolers that can read it or high school people, the target audience. And there's this real magic with YA where it's just so relatable to so many people. And on top of that, it's just such a cool genre to write because I really think the high school age is such a pivotal time in all of our lives. It's the time of so many firsts, usually on occasion, <laughs> your first love, <laughs> your first time going out on your own or getting ready to go out on your own, you know, your first experiences with, you know, growing pains and being on your own and figuring out who you are. So I feel like that's something that I'm so excited about the YA genre is that I get to kind of relive high school so many different times or get to live it in different ways. And that's always just so exciting to me as an author. Yeah. And I think we've seen over time, like the audience grow for YA, like Mm -hmm. it's such a wide audience now, but also it's been so great to see like growing up, we didn't have like a lot of queer stories in young adult fiction. So it's been great to also see like not just queer stories, but, you know, other marginalized, racialized groups um, get their stories be told. So it's been great to like, you know, read through your catalog and kind of see like, you know, where YA is going and comparing that to where it's come from. Absolutely. No, I think that's so true. And I really love that about this too. I remember when I was growing up in high school, I went to Barnes and Noble and I was like on my phone, like list of you know, gay book. like <laughs> gay books, like, are there any? And uh, I would just be like, you know, like 15, like reading like, you know, Fingersmith by Sarah Waters, like in between the stacks, like, <laughs> I'm super relating to this like Victorian historical crime drama, which I was, I was like, yeah, these are some very real feelings that I have for sure been starting to experience. And, you know, I think just now that we're seeing so much YA, you know, LGBTQ plus literature. It's so cool and so exciting. And, you know, I'm just so stoked that I get to, you know, keep adding to the pile of that. <laughs> it's a real dream come true. Speaking of your, like, your oof, I guess, like your work, your body of work, a lot <laughs> of them are set in Pittsburgh. Totally. And so we're just curious, like, what, what about Pennsylvania draws you to, like, set stories there? Maybe it's just, like, familiarity and you're, like, a Pittsburgh <laughs> expert. I'll just say that's the first part of the question. Then I have a different Pittsburgh related question that I will piggyback on. Totally. You know, I feel like it's probably that like I've lived in Pennsylvania my whole life all across the state. You know, I grew up outside of Philly and then I moved to uh, Pittsburgh for college. And that's where I met my wife in college and her family is from around here. And uh, she's very close to her family. So it was the kind of thing where I was like, I'm here for the long haul. Like <laughs> I'm setting up roots. So let's go to a Pirates game. Um, so yeah, I just really fell in love with 
with Pittsburgh, I think. And there's just a real magic to the city. And yeah, I just I've really loved writing books here. And I feel like even like five feet apart, like there's never a city that's mentioned. I'm sure like the screenplay writers and I mean, Mickey and Tobias that I worked with probably were picturing it somewhere else vastly different. But for me, I was like, yeah, this is like UPMC. Like we're looking <laughs> out over more. Like I was like, these are these are all coming together. So yeah, I feel like I just really love Pittsburgh. It's got a great feel to it. And Pennsylvania is just like one of those quirky places where, you know, you've got like the cities, but then you've also got like a lot of farmland, <laughs> a huge chunk of farmland uh, everywhere that's not a city. So, you know, you can also have those small town rural books as well as the ones that are, you know, within Philly or within Pittsburgh. So it's a big state, <laughs> plenty of space to set a story for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I just read Alison Bechdel's books, both of her yes. graphic novels, and they're set in Pennsylvania too. Totally. So totally. Like, oh, it's all yeah. very Pennsylvania centric right now. What I'm Oh reading. my goodness. I love fun home. So yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So on that Pittsburgh tangent, if someone had to spend one, had one day to spend in the city in Pittsburgh, what would you recommend that they do oh or see? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. All right. So I feel like first, like, I'm not going to do the super touristy things like you can always do like the incline and like get a really good view of the city but like I don't know like <laughs> it's not air conditioned like <laughs> sometimes if you don't like heights I don't know there's also that factor you know <laughs> it's a little rickety so I feel like honestly you got to go to like a good coffee shop I really like commonplace coffee they make in my opinion the best vanilla lattes in the city maybe grab one of those uh, it's super close if you go to the one on Penn Ave so you can go to White Whale Bookstore which is my favorite indie it's really great they also have coffee there now so maybe just they sell commonplace coffee there so maybe just <laughs> skip that and just go right to the bookstore a really great group of people there I would check out you know Lawrenceville they got some really great shops I like Wildcard. it's like this super cool gift shop they got they got really cool knickknacks like stickers and keychains and you know kitchen towels I don't know <laughs> just a bunch of stuff and then really nice cards I would say definitely go to a Pirates game tickets are like I never grew, went to a Phillies game growing up because it just seemed like they're, they're so overpriced. But you can get like Pirates tickets for like, you know, five, ten bucks and you can just go. And I would go a bunch when I was in college with my friends. So probably go see a Pirates game. It's really nice. One of the best stadiums, I think. They got a great view <laughs> of the city, you know, <laughs> get a hot dog, some popcorn, have a good time. <laughs> I feel like at night. I really love this place called Soju. They have really good Korean food there, actually. Really like their bibimbap if you're interested. A nice bar to go to. It's not like the best bar ever, but it's a really cool dive bar. You know, in the evening, go to uh, Kelly's. It's in East Liberty. It's just really good for conversation. You know, they got really nice classic red booths and you can just sit down with some friends and have a good chat. So those are my favorite places. That's definitely, I'm like, man, if I, if I wasn't hanging out with the baby all day, I'd be doing that right now. But <laughs> but you're a little, just a little bit busy on a different Just a little side. busy, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Hyping up all of the small businesses that your local indie, that's great. Totally. There's so many great places in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So insider tips for folks listening. Yeah. Since you mentioned Philly, do you have mm -hmm. a Philly cheesesteak place you would recommend for someone going to Philly for the first time? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, hard hitting questions here. Oh, man. I'm going to have to like double check this on Google, but I, I want to make sure I get the name right. It's the one that's by the Reading Terminal. I went to Philly when I was a teenager, like during 
mm, I think like a Puerto Rican festival was going on at the time, which was really cool. I'd never seen something like that before. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember our one thing was like, we have to get Philly cheesesteaks. Where do we go? <laughs> totally. Yeah. You know, I actually think I like there's always like the debate between Pat's and Gino's, mm-hmm. I think, when you're looking at Philly. And I feel like I like Pat's because I like the thin slices of the meat more. I actually co-owned a food truck with my wife for a while. And so we we did different varieties of cheesesteaks, which is like probably like sacrilege. But, you know, we had the originals, <laughs> but then we we're also doing like the backyard barbecue and the like nacho <laughs> average cheesesteak and just all different kinds of stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think like Pat's is honestly the go-to. I feel like I'm not a huge fan of like super thick meat on the cheesesteak but you know I like to have a nice balance of all of the toppings all right well you heard it here (laughs) so many nuggets coming up because I I read she gets the girl in preparation for this interview and not only are you wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt which features (laughs) prominently in the book but also there's a truck with cheesesteaks in the book too I'm just like oh my gosh so many like channeling Alex right now yeah I'm having (laughs) no definitely yeah um the character of like Jim and she gets the girl and the whole food truck thing was totally just like pulled from our real life Allison when we got out of college she worked on a food truck for a while with this guy I was about to say his name I probably could <laughs> his name's Mike he runs this he he stopped food trucking now he has like an actual storefront named Bulldogs add that to your place of, <laughs> to go to in Pittsburgh if you ever swing by but yeah he's just a really great interesting fun guy so that was definitely pulled from that and then we co-owned one for a little bit because Allison had a pretty good time working on it so yeah that was definitely part of our life as a chapter in our lives so I recently read the lucky list and baking was a part of that which totally Kelly and I love to bake (laughs) I hear you so we really enjoyed that so what gave you the idea to have a character who wanted to be a baker it feels like often in YA characters have like these very sensible job aspirations like quote unquote no totally totally. Um, (laughs) so what was your like inspiration to like give them something that was like a dream big aspiration instead of like a dream sensibly one (laughs) baking's got like a magic to it and I don't know if maybe I just was watching like a ton of like baking or cooking shows at the time but like when people just reach that like really high level there's like you know I'm a home baker you know (laughs) with my wife and I like we just made banana bread yesterday like small stuff like that but you know there's this like level where it just reaches this like really magical passion where they just like see it like probably how I see writing like you know the like combinations in the kitchen and like the excitements over like different frostings or you know a new cookie variety and uh, I just felt like that was really cool and I don't know. I feel like maybe I probably like romanticized it a little bit in my head and was excited to kind of write about that experience. But yeah, I feel like I really loved writing that into the that, the character and yeah, I had a real blast with that. Um, and speaking of baked goods, what is your favorite baked item? Oh, that's a very <laughs> difficult question to answer. We didn't need to be like, so hard hitting so no, early in the day. <laughs> I know. I feel like I could really go like, that's hard for me to say. I feel like the most it's got to be just to like pull it out of the book too. Like just a really good chocolate chip cookie. I feel like you can't go wrong with like if it's perfectly made and it's fresh out of the oven, you got like a nice glass of milk and the chocolate chip cookie, like, you know, any like fancy like creme brulee or whatever, it's not going to beat that. Like it's so good. Like, yeah. So I feel like you can't top like a really perfect chocolate chip cookie. I just had like four of them last night. (laughs) Not homemade. Well, they were made by someone. They were made by someone at Sprouts, but <laughs> <laughs> made with love. No, hard to stop at just one. 
And yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Allison is so funny with that. Like if we make cookies, she'll, like we'll, she'll eat like six and then her like motto is like, we got to like finish them so that we get them out of the house. Like <laughs> there's only one way to do this. Like we got to finish them in one day. All or nothing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier that, well, you have an upcoming book, Pride and Prejudice in Pittsburgh. It comes out on the day this episode drops, August 29th, 2023, which from recording right now is only a few weeks away. So we thought we would just pause and be like, how are you doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> As you said, three weeks away, I definitely like I'm stress sweating a little bit. Like, ooh. But I'm good. You know, I'm excited. I think 20 days out, it's definitely coming. I think you know, with this being my fifth book, I've kind of gotten better at regulating the nerves and just general anxiety around release week. And I think also probably something that's helped me with that has been, you know, becoming a mom because, you know, it really balances like the tiers of importance in your life. And, you know, where I would just be obsessively checking Amazon or like, you know, (laughs) bookshop.org or whatever, just to like see rankings or something. It's like, no, I'd rather like go to the park with my baby and like push her on a swing. Like, and I get so much more joy out of doing that than kind of obsessing over the numbers of it all. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this one. I think it was just a real blast to write and I'm excited for it to be out in the world. And I feel like during... Allison's last book release for Forget Me Not, we did a launch event at Whitewell and she said something along the lines of like, when she writes, her main objective is to entertain. (laughs) And I thought that was like so fascinating. And I feel like that's, this is really that book for me. Like, I just want people to just like read it and be like, that was entertaining. Like, (laughs) that's what I hope going out into the world. That's, that's what it does. So I'm excited. It seems like you're also like trying your hand at, you know, some of these reimaginings too with Mm. like these different intertexts. Like when she gets the girl you mentioned, Cyrano de Bergerac, and I was like, oh my God, mind blown. That's that's like (laughs) what's happening here. But like, I didn't notice that until you dropped it in there. And I was like, oh, it's so good. But with Pride and Prejudice (laughs) or with any of your books, how do you make like tropes or these kind of different narrative arcs feel like Mm -hmm. fun and interesting and entertaining, like you said, like is how, how do you go about that? That's a good question. I feel like it really, I feel like it's really based on the fact like when you're watching something or reading something, I just really like the way that it makes me feel. I'll kind of get into the headspace of that and kind of relive the moment with the characters or watch it a hundred times on YouTube or just keep rewinding it back. And I feel like a lot of times like the tropes or certain feelings, like I'll just be trying to kind of put my own spin on it or also just like sometimes it happens and you're like this would be like even cooler if it went this way like um and I feel like that's something that's kind of fun as like a writer just you know a reader any of that and so I feel like that's really the biggest one is it's just kind of like starting with an idea or starting with something that excites you and then kind of putting your own twist or your own layer on it in a way that feels more entertaining for you personally, or just like maybe just like different than not necessarily like, you know, better or more entertaining, but just uh, your own little spin on it. So yeah, I feel like that's always kind of fun to figure out as a writer. Okay, so speaking of Pride and Prejudice in Pittsburgh, I feel like everyone's kind of always like, in a twist over who is the better Mr. Darcy. <laughs> but I feel like you would be a good person to ask, like, who do you think is the better Elizabeth Bennett? Because like, people don't really talk about that. <laughs> this is so funny. You know, I was actually thinking the other day because of uh, just, you know, the book coming out and stuff about the two Pride and Prejudice movies. And 
you know, I really, for like, I was like a BBC version truther for like a very long time. Listen to me. Don't shake your head yet. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. And then my, my Allison is totally the opposite of that. She really loves the Kira Knightley 2005 version. And I honestly feel like it was like her comfort movie during the first trimester of her pregnancy. So I watched it like a hundred million <laughs> times and I, I feel like maybe I'm coming around, which is crazy. <laughs> like, I just really, I, the, the cinematography is incredible. The like acting is so good. And oh, it's so hard for me to pick. I feel like I'm just talking now because I'm just trying not to pick. Kira Knightley. I mean, Kira Knightley. <laughs> I mean, Kira Knightley, you know, but also like, I'll be honest, I totally in reflecting on this. I remember watching the 1995 version and like the BBC adaptation and there totally was a little bit of a like gay awakening moment over like Jennifer Beals, like playing that piano and singing. I don't know what happened. I was just like, wow, <laughs> like this is the stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I feel like I gotta be honest, it goes to Jennifer Fields just because of that. There's there's a sentimentality there that it just cannot be beaten. So I'm so sad, but I, you know, I respect your opinion. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's hard to maybe it's a little bit of like which one you watch first. Like I remember seeing Pride and Prejudice in movie theaters before I watched the BBC one. So then the, like that one is like, you know, up here for me. But you know, people argue about it, but they don't talk about Elizabeth Bennett. So I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> and they should. There's like a second argument to be had exactly. here. She's a literal main character. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, people. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> That's funny. So She Gets the Girl is co-written with Allison Derrick, mm-hmm. a.k.a. someone yeah. you know quite well, your wife. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty well. Pretty no. well. What was that co-writing experience like? And if you want yeah. to share your meet cute, we'd love to hear it. Oh, totally. I guess I'll share the meet cute first. Yeah, we did meet in college in a writing class, uh, a young adult fiction writing class. Actually, we were talking about this the first semester we were in kind of like a writing group that was maybe like nine people or something. And we would always like sit really close to each other, but we like didn't talk. But I do remember we would always have to go up two floors to like the writing department's like conference room, which is where we had our like workshop for that class I remember one time I made her laugh just always really remember that moment so it wasn't until I guess the summer after it was a whole year after there there were two semesters of that writing class and then she invited me to like this party at her house with her brother that they were throwing for um like back to school and we just like really connected then and it was just like a whirlwind very like sapphic like two weeks of just like you know hanging out all the time and like falling in love and it was so great and yeah I feel like from there you know the rest is kind of history. That was like seven-ish years ago now, which is wild. And the writing experience was so cool. You know, we did meet in this writing class and uh, I knew her writing style and I knew that I really liked what she wrote. And I feel like when we kind of came up with the idea of She Gets the Girl, we were a little bit nervous. We were like, will our writing styles clash? Or like, could we actually kind of write this book together? And um, I feel like we kind of just took the leap and wrote the first draft. And the first draft was very close to a retelling of our own love story and way more than it ended up becoming. And we showed our teacher from the class that we took, our who's our good friend as well, Siobhan Vivian, and also a fellow young adult author. And she was like, yeah, this is like not speaksy enough. Like this is not like, the, it's not tasty enough. But I was like, that's fair. So from there, you know, we, with every edition after that with every draft after that it kind of became Alex and Molly's story instead which was exciting but you know there is kind of like the lingering basis and was definitely inspired by our own love story but writing together was so 
cool. It was just so much fun. You know, I have done co-authoring and collaborative experiences in the past before, but, you know, working with Allison, no offense, it was obviously my favorite. I just, (laughs) I like her more. Uh, So (laughs) there's that, but it was just, it was so cool, you know, just getting to like sit at our kitchen table and, you know, come up with ideas and, you know, stay up late talking and, you know, we'll be driving the car and she'll be like, oh my God, I just thought of something so cool. And, you know, you'll like write it in your notes app and kind of bounce it off of each other. But yeah, it was just, a lot of fun and it just made me so excited for the story and you know it just was so cool even more than that getting to release a book with her and getting to do like the whole you know promotion stuff which can you know be intimidating and kind of a lot and getting to do like launch events right next to her and getting to just like you know end up hitting the New York Times bestseller list together which was just such a dream come true and yeah I feel like it just went so well and it was such a cool experience if we do write books together in the in the future, I'm sure it'll be awesome. But that first one was really something special for sure. Yeah, I I can only imagine, especially because it was Allison's debut from what I understand, right? Yeah. You had had a few books out already. <laughs> so you could kind of accompany each other in that in that process. No, definitely. Yeah, it, it was really cool. I feel like also like in our relationship, like I'm definitely like the chaotic one and Allison's like the grounded, like, like, you know, be like, Oh my God, I don't know about it. And she'll be like, okay, everybody relax. Like it's all cool. (laughs) And I feel like with the book release and just the entire experience of that, yeah, it was like her debut. So it very much was me kind of, it's all good. Like, this is what we're doing. I got your back. Like, relax like or even like rounds of edits like she wasn't used to like you know oh hey like can I get this back in like 21 days like a whole new draft of this book and you kind of are like reading through your notes and all the stuff you have to do and you're like I have one person like or (laughs) two people like how is this possible and um yeah so I feel like that was really an interesting dynamic change with that for sure so we're gonna kind of like pivot to something a bit you know deeper I guess Five Feet Apart and The Lucky List both deal with loss and death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, She Gets the Girl has has its own, you know, heavy material with the uh, mm-hmm. alcoholism of Alex's mom. How do you write about these kinds of topics in a way that the audience still has a sense of hope when they finish the book, but isn't totally like completely unrealistic? I mean, I know we're writing fiction <laughs> here, but at the same time, you know, you make it so tangible to the to the readers. No, I get that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think... Honestly, just off the top of my head and just what kind of first came to me is when you go through things like that and you or just whether it's loss or whether it's a relative struggling with alcoholism or, you know, a parent leaving or whatever it is, there is still this like human resiliency and there is this hope no matter what, you know, and I feel like that's maybe just like central to the human experience. It's like, even when really terrible things happen, there is kind of this persistency within us that is like, you know, the sun will come up. Like there's, you you get to try again tomorrow or if not tomorrow, next week, or if not next week, next month, you know, you take your time. And I feel like maybe that's really kind of at the root of that, where it's just kind of reflecting on when I have experienced things in my own life or, you know, just people in general have experienced things in their own lives, you know, there is this continuing resiliency that we all have and this continuing hope that it will get better. And if like you have lived through instances of that in the past, you're like, they could be a marker too for you, where it's just like, I thought this was one of the worst things to happen. And now, you know, I'm like a decade out and I'm like still trucking and like, you know, things are good now, or I guess kind of that element of it. So I feel like that's probably 
how it is in my books because that's how I have seen it and experienced it in my life for sure. That makes sense. And what a good way to like, you know, give hope to young people in particular. Mm. Cause I do feel like when you're young, those emotions feel so, so big. Like obviously like losing a parent. Um, Cause I listened to the lucky list. I listened to the audiobook, and as Kelly knows, I don't no emotions at all, if at all possible, <laughs> but I cried. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was yeah, so good. Yeah. But like, it's so good to see like, especially for young people dealing with like mental health or, you know, Mm. loss, those kinds of things to see, like, you know, like things will continue to be hard, but they also continue to get better. And that's just like such a good outlook to give them, I think. So I think young people would probably like really, like I appreciated it as, you know, an adult, but like, I think that's great for young people to also see that, you know, you will move on eventually, like eventually things will get better. So really appreciate that. (laughs) That's really nice to hear. Yeah, no. And I totally agree with that. I think especially when you are younger, kind of going back to that thing that I said about writing YA, which a lot of times it is kind of a lot of your first, you know, just because you haven't had as many years on earth, you know, and I remember totally feeling, I guess, like that when I was 18, where it was just like, it just felt like things were stacking up. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, like, what's going on? (laughs) And uh, I always kind of wonder, as I get older, writing YA, if I'll be able to kind of be able to write the experiences faithfully to people that are 18 now or what I can possibly offer those books and as I get older and it's I feel like that's really interesting because yeah like definitely being you know a decade out from 18 when I thought you know I didn't think I was gonna even make it to 28 you know yeah so so that's just just that experience is is really nice to kind of hear and I guess kind of reflect on as a writer and as a person as a human being you know all right, we're going to turn to some more fun things now that we <laughs> <laughs> we got the heavy stuff. Okay, so um, I love TikTok. I'm on TikTok all the time. Yeah. Um, Kelly, less so, but I watched a ton of your TikToks. <laughs> because this is a well-researched show, you had to do your research. <laughs> I watched so many TikToks. Um, <laughs> so here, these are going to be some like TikTok questions. So mm-hmm. we'll just go through them one at a time. So like, what are your favorite things about book talk? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. I feel like my favorite things about book talk are, you know, book talk gets a bad rep. <laughs> There's no denying that. Like, but at the same time, like there is this boom in people being excited to read, which, you know, is really cool. And I think there are different like niches within the book talk community. Like obviously there's like the one that like ends up on the book talk table at Barnes and Noble the most, but then there's also like the one that like, you know, if you're looking for like queer fantasy, there's like a whole group of people that are so excited about that. And, you know, if you're looking for LGBTQ graphic novels, like there's a whole group of people that are excited about that. And I feel like that's really what I love most about book talk is, you know, if you get into like these niches or these group of people, you can be so excited about different stories together. Or, you know, they post a review and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that like element of this book as well. Or like, oh, I haven't read this like really cool, like graphic novel about like, you know, two like cool witches in love. <laughs> you know, There's just like stuff like that. And I feel like that's what I really love the most about book talk is, you know, there is actually a community there and a group of people that are excited about books at at the very root of it. So that's cool. So what is like your least favorite thing about book talk? Because I find that it can be both very inspiring, but also like Mm. very frustrating (laughs) sometimes. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's like two different answers to this question. One is like a content creator, which is just like, you know, it's a lot to like produce content over and over again and not have the algorithm in your favor. And 
it's so ridiculous when you like spend so long on a video and you're like, like I spent like three days, like completely like rebinding the cover of my book and like doing all this stuff. And like the video got like, it it, like did okay. Like it got like, you know, 13,000 views. And then I literally will record a video in like five seconds with like Allison. I'll do two takes and that'll be the one that'll like blow up. And it's just like, like, this isn't the one that I cared about. Like, why is this (laughs) the one that's like doing well? So there's like, there is like that frustration in it as like a creator. But then I think there's also, you know, not on that aspect, I think there is just kind of like what I was talking about. There's this like reality with book talk where certain voices are pushed out over others and certain books are pushed out over others. And, um, you know, you see like, you know, the same classic, like written by a white author romance over and over again on book talk. And it's like, but like there are so many more books that you could be reading and so many stories about so many different lives that you just like don't even bother looking at because like if you hold up a certain book and you're like this book destroyed me like that's the one that's gonna do really well and get pushed out to a bunch of people and so yeah there is definitely some frustration over that yeah I think something that's especially frustrating with that is you know you do form your own TikTok algorithm and like it's just annoying that people aren't even bothering to look or interact with stories that are different than, you know, the same books over and over again. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, there that's probably like the the downside to TikTok. Yeah. Sure. We won't name names, but there are a couple of books where I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know if all of you read this because I tried to read it and it was terrible. So like, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. Like, and the algorithm will always every now and then show you a book, even if you like don't even interact with the video, that same book over and over and over yeah. and over again. And you're like, listen, I'm on book talk, but I'm not on that book talk. Yeah, like- yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see videos uh, where people talk about or review your books? Like, what is that like as an author or mm. just like even written reviews in general? Like, what is that like as an author to like experience people writing about your writing? <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah. Um, if I'm like tagged in it, obviously on like book talk, like I will interact. But if I'm not tagged, I usually just kind of like I'm a ghost in the wind. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I feel like something that I have see authors struggling with even like <laughs> very publicly on book talk in the past year or so is you know reviews are for readers and if you're not tagged in it it's not for you that's not your space to be you know traipsing on into so if you cannot go on goodreads and read reviews and not get hurt and post about it publicly like that's not your thing to do like you know what i mean like just don't do it block the website but i think honestly by like where i'm at you know five books in you know i I read my reviews. It's fine. Like I'll go on Goodreads and I'll read the good ones and I'll read the bad ones. And, you know, that's good. Um, I feel like I'm at a point where, you know, it could be constructive criticism or it's just interesting to hear other people's perspectives about what hit and what didn't. And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, it's some people have their, I haven't loved every book I've ever read, you know, like if you don't love mine, that's totally fair. That's like your opinion. Like it's not your cup of tea. But yeah, I feel like on the other end, you know, if people tag me in reviews or even just like aesthetics for like she gets the girl or, you know, do like fan art or something. It's just like so cool and so exciting to see. And, you know, that people have like taken the time out of their day to like post about my book and post about my stories. That's like super cool. I actually teared up a little bit when I said that. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I I feel like I really love that. Oh, Kelly, I can't hear you. Oh, I muted myself because my dog was barking outside. Sorry. 
but like yeah you're definitely reaching people with your art but also like these parasocial relationships are like so strange so it's good you're not like a tender you're not in as tender of a spot you know and you have different boundaries and self-worth it's not based on what this random person on the internet says about your like (laughs) your art you know (laughs) No, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like that's always so interesting. I feel like just with social media and especially like with TikTok is like, you know, and also like I have vaguely started doing reels now just because like the video's already there and like, you know, your stuff will get pushed out to everyone, yeah. <laughs> good or bad, you know, and something I really wish I could tell like younger authors or just people in general is like, don't interact with it. Like, it's just like, it's it's hard like it is hard like obviously if I was on like a playground and somebody was like saying some of the stuff that they're saying online to like my daughter it would be a very different situation than like you know some guy behind like a you know Mustang profile picture like <laughs> talking trash about like me and my life and my wife and my like bugs and stuff like it's just you know the internet can be accessible and you have to protect your peace and you know if you interact with them they'll comment again which just will boost the algorithm in their favor so (laughs) don't touch it (laughs) yep our attention is the currency right yeah totally we've been chugging through this that's great so we have a little segment of rapid fire questions and we can we can wrap up so first off this is a question i always ask the writers because i'm also a writer i like to know about writing rituals do you have any rituals do you like put on a candle do you have like (laughs) i don't know a playlist or an app or something just curious i like these little tactile like set the mood but some people don't totally no i feel like it's like very different now that i'm like a parent it's usually just like okay she's in bed at night like i if i work like starting right now like very focused concentrated work like i'll be able to get like five hours in before i go to bed So it's definitely really shifted. I feel like usually I will say like for every book, I make a playlist and I'm listening to it in the car or just wherever to get in that headspace. And a lot of times my ideas for certain scenes or chapters or the book in general will come away from the desk. So I feel like music is always a big one. I can't write with music, which is an interesting experience. I love that for people that can. Um, I just like put my headphones on and like literally don't turn anything on. So yeah, I feel like I do like, you know, just sitting at my desk and maybe cup of tea, snack, (laughs) water, whatever. But yeah, I feel like I'm kind of, (laughs) now it's more of just like a, when I get the time and I, (laughs) I gotta be on. (laughs) There was pre-parenting and now there's (laughs) post-parenting. Totally. Totally. I feel like it's still this, like there are similarities. Like I'll still be like, you know, writing late at night and like eating like handfuls of shredded cheese out of the bag like you know that's the same as like when I was fresh out of college like has has there been much of a change maybe not why is shredded cheese so good compared to sliced cheese I don't know (laughs) surface area maybe I don't know (laughs) totally um you've mentioned your child a few times um so what's Mm -hmm. the funniest thing your kid has done recently you've included them in some tiktoks I thought were really cute so what's their a funny child moment oh my gosh she's like such a goofball like just in general like she'll just do like the wildest stuff I think something that she's like really started doing that's just like this is kind of like cute funny it's not just like funny funny but uh we have like this picture hanging up she has like a little like she's like crawling but we also have a dog so we put her in kind of like this little like safety pen enclosure kind of thing and um there's a picture from our wedding and it's like you know Allison's parents and 
her two favorite people, which are uncles and um, <laughs> like her aunt Amy and like just all these people that she like loves. And so lately she's just started going up and like randomly throughout the day, she'll like pop up on her playpen and just like wave to the picture and be like, hey! Because <laughs> she's like, doesn't, still so her own, the first word she said is like, Hank, that's like our dog's name. And uh, so, yeah, so she is, she'll just like randomly go up to the picture and just like check in with it every now and then just like so <laughs> see, how the, see how the people are so doing <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that's so cute what is one thing that you would put on your lucky list calling back to this oh my goodness this book oh man um I feel like the first thing for some reason that popped into my head is like I feel like I really want to, I saw like a TikTok about like this train line that you can take through like Switzerland or something. And it's super picturesque. And I feel like I want to do that. So, so maybe that, I feel like that would be really cool to, could, to do. I definitely want to do something travel related, I think. So I'll, I'll do that one for sure. One of the best parts of TikTok is getting to see people's travels. It gives you so Absolutely. much travel. <laughs> yeah. And they always have like the highest quality crisp yeah, videos you've ever seen. I'm like, know? what are you filming so. this with? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is like an eyeball. Like, I love when people say that in the comments. But yeah. It's funny. Did you get to meet Cole Sprouse? I did not. No, okay. I did not get to meet Cole Sprouse. Yeah. <laughs> easy answer. Easy answer. Yeah. Uh, what are you reading and watching lately? Reading lately... I've been working my way through some stories that will be coming out in the next few years. I actually have a whole list right now of books that I've I've read in 2023 that I'm super excited for. But um, I recently read Edward Underhill's latest. I really loved the Do's and Donuts of Love recently. That was a real favorite of mine that came out earlier this year. I loved Stars Hide Your Fires. That was a really cool sci-fi book that I read. This Day Changes Everything was really good. And If I Promise You Wings by A.K. Small, who's, well, she just moved out of Pittsburgh, but I just really love her style of writing. She like grew up in France and all of her books she's just also one of like the coolest people you'll ever meet and like <laughs> she did ballet for like many years every time I hang out with her I'm just like man I hope I'm like as cool as you one day <laughs> like so I feel like all of her books are just like really they're in the YA genre but they just have like a feel that is like I think super different and cool and refreshing in the stories watching honestly I'm like just waiting for I, I saw Barbie this past weekend it was pretty good I'm waiting for bottoms to come out that movie that have you heard of it Mm-mm. oh my gosh it's like these two like queer girls that start like a fight club in their like <laughs> high school so that they can like impress like the <laughs> the two girls that they're like really into which i i'm like this is gonna be incredible I'm so watching that yeah <laughs> i am just like been waiting for it to come out i'm just been, like living off of the trailer so i'm super excited definitely taking notes on that one definitely want to see that yeah 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 what advice would you give to teens today who are coming out? Honestly, the best advice I can, and this is just like the most like classically, I don't want to say generic, but like, I think it's really hard when you're a teen, um, you have so many outside influences and you feel so, I remember just feeling like so pressured by the people at my school, but also like my parents and all of these different elements. And I feel like if you know yourself enough to know who you are and who you love or how you express that love that is so powerful and that's such a gift and you know I feel like that's like the so true and so real and so just to know yourself like that is so special so just cling to that and cling to that truth and that's honestly the most important thing that you can do 
whether you're a teen or you're, you know, <laughs> almost 30, you know, that's, that's really special for sure. That's nice. Especially because like, there's never one, just one coming out, you know, because of heteronormative oh, no. society. It's just like always, you're like kind of always interpolated with these, like these other definitely, moments where definitely. you just, yeah, got to stay true to yourself. And like, totally like, you know, there's the high school one, but then there's, like you said, different stages of your life. Like, you know, like, especially now that I'm a baby, I'm really seeing it where it's just like, I like went to like, get a blood draw yesterday or something just for like, or not yesterday, like last week for just general health checkup. And they were like, they were like asking what the, like my name just like changed on my insurance to thousands. And they were like, Oh, what's your husband's last name? And I was like, Oh, Derek. Uh, And they were like, his last name and I was like Derek it's like that's not and then um, I was like my wife's last name is Derek and then like the guy like finally like calmed down you could tell he felt a little bad he was like sorry about that <laughs> and I just kind of like, checked it in like instantly like instant cool off but it was just like just stuff like that you know where it's just like what are we doing like I at every roll. turn like, <laughs> just, like my husband's name could be Derek Derek like what are we yeah, doing who cares if his name is Derek Derek <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Anything that we missed or that you feel is like relevant to the to the conversation? No, yeah. I feel like this is a really fun interview and we talked about a lot of really cool stuff and I'm just really excited for people to check out Pride and Prejudice in Pittsburgh and it was a cool story to write. And yeah, if you like the the movies, if you like the book, <laughs> you know, set around that time period and a lot of scenes and moments are definitely inspired by my love for both Karen Knightley and Jennifer Beals. <laughs> we don't have so. to choose, okay? This is beyond the binary over yeah. here. We don't need to do that. No. <laughs> Where can people find you and your work? Because I'm sure that they will want to check things out. Totally. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Lippincott. You can find me on TikTok uh, at Allison and Rachel. I'm not even going to bother with the X Twitter, whatever situation. <laughs> so just find me there. <laughs> That's all you need. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for joining us today. It has been a blast talking to you. So we so appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about your new book and of your life and your writing and everything. Definitely. Thank you both. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. And everyone else, you know where to find us on Instagram at The Library Coven. Until next time, stay magical. Stay magical.